0: So, please consider this your warning that it's not suitable for children, and it probably will contain content that may be triggering to some people. Also, it's an Australian true crime podcast, so, Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners should be aware it may contain the voices of deceased people.
2: The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal Elders past, present and those emerging.
4: On a Sydney riverbed a single key became a sunken treasure for police hunting a killer. This car key belonged to murder victim Cecilia Haddad. I still remember the sound of her footsteps. Every day it seems like she's going to call me and I struggle with agony. By the time her body was found in the Lane Cove River, her ex-lover Mario Marcelo Santoro had already fled home to Brazil. Tonight, he will be tried for Cecilia's murder in a country he ran to for protection.
0: This is the second part of our two-part series with journalist Ashley Hansen about the murder of Brazilian woman Cecilia Haddad, which happened in Sydney in 2018. If you haven't heard the first part, released earlier this week, I'd urge you to pause this episode and go back and listen to that first one. That's episode 369 of Australian True Crime. Because that's where you'll learn all about who Cecilia was and how she knew the man accused of her murder, Mario Marcello Santoro. In this second instalment, we'll hear about Mario's sensational trial in Brazil. It had been delayed for several years because of COVID, but also because of the various tactics employed by Santoro's legal team to slow the process down. We pick the story up with Ashley telling us about the first time she saw Santoro again in the courtroom.
4: He was a lot thinner and you could see that jail had probably been tough for him too. Mm. He hadn't had a, a good run, so to speak. He'd lived a fairly pampered life, I would imagine, up until that point. Yes, and in jail he was working as a cleaner. Mm. So it's not one
0: of those jails we see on TV sometimes where if you're rich you can, like, live virtually in an apartment and you live well? No,
4: this is this is a bad, scary jail. This is a maximum security prison. There's been a lot of press around really dangerous people escaping from the prison. I was reading the other day about how some prisoners escaped, but they were in jail for, for killing their lawyer because the lawyer didn't get them off murder charges so some really dangerous, heavy criminals are in this prison. And he's a rich guy and he's got the job of being a cleaner. That sounds pretty gross. Yeah. And I remember as well that I tried to go to the prison just outside to film it because I thought, well, just like you would, Eddie, mm. like you'd go to Long Bay if you were doing a story about an inmate. Karabakan or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, I didn't think that would be dangerous at all just to go outside the prison. I wasn't trying to get in there. And the, the fixer, they all shut it down that you do not go to this particular area where this jail is. It's too dangerous to even go there to, to film. So that sort of tells you what kind of life he was living. He's been living for the last five years. That was waiting for his trial. Yes. He had a big legal team. And I remember that stood out as well when when we went to his pre-trial hearing, which was just a couple of months after his arrest as a Channel 7 reporter. I returned there with the same cameraman that I went with the first time and we went there to cover this trial, this pre-trial. Had you met Cecilia's family by this stage? Yeah, we, we'd we sat down with Cecilia's dad, um, Jazer, her dad, a beautiful, beautiful man, just completely heartbroken by Cecilia's death. He just was... It really broke your heart to talk to him. The big problem is Cecilia. Forever.
2: She's not here anymore. Who did this is going to pay for this.
4: That's one, of the, one interview I'll never forget, certainly sitting down with him and talking to him and speaking to her brother as well. I think as well just telling their story about their their beautiful girl and showing that you know, that's the legacy that they want as well. They don't want her to get forgotten in all of this yeah. because she was such a vibrant, uh, beautiful person mm. and they want people to remember remember her and, and her gorgeous memory.
3: Always happy. Happy with her life. Proud of herself because she was a wonderful professional and this is very important to remember. So...
0: Uh when it got to trial we we know you told us that he and his legal team had been trying every trick in the book including the most obvious which is this isn't even legal like i didn't commit this or this crime did not occur in brazil mm. so how can it be legal to be trying me in Brazil?
4: They they tried lots work. of different tricks and he sacked lots of different lawyers over the time because you can imagine all these other lawyers at one point going, okay, let's just do a plea deal or yeah. the, the evidence is overwhelming. Right, let's, was it? It was overwhelming because Australian police did send the brief of evidence over to Brazil and personally delivered it actually. The New South Wales homicide detectives personally went over there and delivered a mountain of evidence. You're talking about security camera vision. Oh, really? Uh, you're talking about uh, forensic details on things that were found at the beach, things that were found in her apartment. Uh, so he didn't
0: get any smarter after he sent the text message to her mum?
4: No, okay. no. He'd, he'd left a, a trail of evidence. When, when you look back and you think about it, he was, he was pretty dumb. Mm. But I guess that plays into the fact that he did think he was going to get away with it. And he thought that he was home free once he was on that flight. And even on his way to the airport, he threw her car keys out the window, driving over the Glazeville Bridge, which is driving towards the city to the airport. And he was in an Uber and he threw the keys, her car keys out the window into the the river. How did he get sprung doing that? Did the Uber driver... The Uber driver... him in for that? Yes. And he'd actually told the Uber driver, can you do this off the record, sort of, can you not track the trip? Let's do this another way. I don't know if he paid him cash or what happened, but the Uber driver, they ended up, police ended up speaking to this Uber driver and he said, I remember that when I was taking him to the airport, he wound on the window and threw what I thought and heard was a set of keys out the window. So the police divers uh, went and searched the river for a couple of days and they actually found the keys. Ten metres down on the, the river bed, they found this set of keys that ended up being really hidden treasure for investigators because it was a critical piece of evidence that they used as they built this this yeah. huge case against him. So he used her car, did he, to dump her? He did. Her. He used her car, little Ford Fiat, a uh, little red car. Uh, she loved this car as well and it was just friends just knew that that was, that was her car. And Even I feel like it that was her car. From yes. what you've told me about her, it
0: sounds like Cecilia. It sounds like a happy, zippy little yep. car for Cecilia.
4: Yeah, and so her car was actually found at... West Ride train station. And so that's where he dumped the car and then he made the, his way to the airport. So forensic investigators went through the car and they found sand and vegetation compatible to the river. Cecilia's body was found. Mm-hmm. So they did find overwhelming evidence in the car that linked the car to where Cecilia was found, where her body was dumped. Yeah. They also found a set of shoes at Angelo Street, which is the street in Woolwich where he actually went. It's it's a bit of a dead end street that goes down into this beautiful little, a little beach, I guess you'd call it. Not where you'd swim. So at the end of this street, there was an entry into the water and it was lined with those little boats. Yeah. So it wasn't a boat ramp as such. It was just a place where people would put kayaks into the water and there was no cameras on the actual street or in this little place where he went. But her car, her little Fiat, was seen on security camera going through Hunter's Hill, going there, and they think in about 10 minutes he had her in the car, he had her body in the car, and he dumped her body and he actually got into the water and he got wet at some stage as well and he left his shoes at the beach Mm -hmm. And so his shoes were discovered not long after the discovery of the body. They found these shoes on the beach and they were collected and forensically examined and they were linked to have Centauro's DNA but also Cecilia's hair was on the shoes too. Mm. So that was a really strong piece of forensic evidence that was just one of many pieces of evidence that that was built into this case. Yeah, yeah, strong,
0: strong circumstantial case. Suddenly I just started thinking about the kayakers too. I mean, you know, the number of people who who are traumatized by these things. I mean, discovering a body, I can't imagine how
4: you would ever get over something like that. I'm sure they wouldn't forget the day no. and I guess as well for them when they found out who she was. Mm. That would have been a really hard moment for them too. Yeah. And thinking about him on the plane.
0: Again, that's something like something out of a movie, isn't it? Just sitting there waiting, it must have felt like hours as they go through the motions of showing you of everyone else getting on and putting their luggage on. And you're just thinking, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Being so worried that they, has anyone found her yet? Are they going to figure out? Yeah, you would imagine his 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 adrenaline
4: levels were pretty high Yeah, and
0: he would have been sweating. Yeah, absolutely. So they have a lot of evidence
4: against him. How long did the trial go for? Well, the trial was listed in January at the start of this year, and again, on the day of the trial, he'd sacked his lawyers, Mm. and it was his last chance, according to the judge, where this is it, this is the last adjournment you'll get, and next time the case will go ahead as planned. And New South Wales homicide detectives had flown to Brazil for this trial as well, So you could imagine everyone sitting there in court ready for this big trial to get underway. And then again, he's just pulled this stunt to escape justice because he knew what was coming Mm. at the trial. So it was then another few months down the track, actually almost six months down the track that it was adjourned to. And again, this is, you know, so stressful for the family.
0: This is so aging for them to be so helpless, like he's just yanking them around. Yes.
4: And that's what the police said as well in January when the trial was adjourned, the police were just so frustrated by this. And they really said, this just increases the anguish of the family and the suffering of Cecilia's family. So I think that they were more upset that he'd what he'd done to them and by dragging it out rather than their own. They they sort of felt like this was their their duty was to prosecute him. And this is just part and parcel of the judicial system, but they really felt like this was a low act to do this to the family, Mm. given how much he'd taken away from them already. They were there all along, you know, they were there when Santoro was arrested and they were still five years later, they were at the trial. The the police stuck with it, both the Australian police and the Brazilian police. And they did have this really strong connection and support for each other throughout the, the process over five years. They spoke... Incredibly highly of each other, and you could just feel it that there was this, they had this common goal, and that was that they weren't going to let Mario Santoro get away with this.
0: After the break, our guest, journalist Ashley Hansen, tells us about the shocking witness who changed the course of the trial.
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
4: So June comes around and this is the the last chance he knows that he's got no other tricks he can pull out this time. So the trial goes ahead. It's listed for two days. Two days. That's not
0: long. It's not long. No. Normally these things would take weeks at least. Exactly. There's a lot of evidence to go through, but I guess the judge feels like I've seen it all. I've read it all.
4: Well, Let's do this. they had a big witness list and, again, Australian detectives travelled to Rio and they said, no, no matter what, we're going to get through this trial in two days. Wow. So they actually heard evidence late into the night. Oh. And they actually, the jurors, slept at the courthouse. So they started relatively early in the morning, but they went so late at night um, to around eleven, twelve o'clock at night. Wow, it's yeah. fascinating how other countries do this stuff, and they really compressed it into two days. What sort of system do they have?
0: Uh, I learned through the Amanda Knox case in Italy that they have the uh, inquisitorial system. Is that what it's called? Where it's where it's about finding out the truth, as opposed to our system, which is. Uh, I mean, you would think theoretically the same, but this idea that Mario's tried to throw Felipe under the bus, in our system, that is about creating the doubt, Mm. right, in the jury's mind, which can potentially save your neck. So was that still happening
4: in this trial? Is that a thing in Brazil? Well, we actually have similar judicial systems in that sense that it's up to the prosecution to prove the case. Okay, So, Centauri did have a right to remain silent and that couldn't be used against him. And it was really up to the prosecution to prove their case. Yes. Okay. Which they did. And they had so many witnesses. And And so much
0: evidence, forensic evidence. Yes,
4: And the first people to give evidence were the Australian detectives. And so that's when they sat down and went through, similar to Australia, where they were showing on screens, uh, phone data and they actually presented his shoes around and showed them around the courtroom and physically had the evidence, some of the evidence right there. Wow. Sh- showing his shoes and saying these are the shoes that were found on the beach in Woolwich where where you dumped her body and, and then the police talking about the DNA evidence linked to the shoes. Gosh. Now tell us about the priest. So the priest gave evidence the priest that Centauro had turned to in prison. And the priest said that in 50 years of his job as a priest, that he'd never broken his oath of confessions, but Centurio had given him permission to break his oath. And this was the first kind of confession that we heard about, that he said, that Mario has confessed oh to killing God. Cecilia. God.
0: In confession, as in Catholic confession.
4: Yes. And he'd spoken about how guilty he felt about it and how he used to always cry in their sessions and how he was really depressed and how he showed a lot of remorse and he thinks that he wasn't a bad person, he just did a bad thing.
0: But it sounds to me, though, in that moment they've flicked the switch, they're thinking ahead to
4: sentencing. Yes. Right. Right. You can see there was a shift yeah. in the pre-trial years earlier where they were trying to point the finger and the defence was even trying to say that Cecilia was on dating apps and it could have been a psychopath, it could not could have been her ex-partner and, and really alluding to all these other theories that it couldn't have been Centoro to create this doubt. But then when the trial finally got underway, once the defence started putting forward people for their side of the case it became apparent that they were trying to get sympathy and they were trying to sway the jury to maybe have pity on him mhm how did her family react to that that's the first moment that you know Look, there's I any kind of idea of a confession it was it was so difficult for cecilia's family to hear but they were also so focused on making this trial about her too. So they wore shirts, Justice for Cecilia, with a beautiful photo of Cecilia on their shirts. They actually lined the seats in the courtroom with pictures and posters of Cecilia. So it was really poignant because Santoro just couldn't escape her, Mm. even though he probably wanted to. Everywhere he looked in that courtroom there was a photo of Cecilia which I thought was really clever and really powerful as well for the family they yeah. felt like you've tried to get away with this but we won't let you and this is this is her beautiful face and this is what we've lost so they She's been dead for 5 years or something by this stage. She has. But that that overwhelming sense of you're not getting away with this and this is who you've taken she's a person she's our beloved daughter our beloved sister and this is her face and we'll never forget her. So here it is. And just really putting it right smack bang in his face so he couldn't hide from her face. And also the
0: jury can't. The jury can't forget what we're here for. We're not here to hear about poor me, how, yeah, poor me. how sad you have been and how tortured you've been and how the priest feels sorry for you. Yes. We're not here to hear how, about that.
4: And how, again, he gave a sob story about, and I'm sure it is, Incredibly sad for his daughters because they've lost yes. their father. Writing and you share a lot of empathy and sympathy for those girls, yeah. those those children. You know, losing their father in these circumstances too. It's not their fault. No. And so, like we're we not know here to hear about that. Yeah, exactly.
0: We know that strangulation, certainly with hands, is uh, a classic murder out of anger. You know, an argument reaching a point of of explosive anger. Was there a a scenario put forward by the prosecution as to what they think, what the chain of events was exactly after that banging on the door, the conclusion of the phone call between Cecilia and her mum? What exactly was the chain of events that the prosecution put forward?
4: Well, we know that the prosecution put forward uh, cause of death, which was asphyxiation, and they also put forward a lot of other evidence that that backed up their case and or did Mario in fact ever actually he confess did. to the he entire did. to the courtroom Story. he was the final person to give evidence wow. and it was almost it wasn't expected it shocked the entire courtroom when he sat in that chair and he started to to sob and basically spoke in great disturbing detail <laughs> And I can talk you through exactly what he said. Mm. And like you were saying, that strangling someone is, you're trying to put a stop to what they're saying, to to shut them up. And that was exactly what he said. He said that I walked towards her with the intention to shut her mouth. And that's when the tragedy happened. So he refers to it as a tragedy, Mm. not a murder. That's what he's convinced himself Or that's what he's telling the jury. And he said he'd turned up at the apartment, he said he'd buzzed on the intercom, and then he used a key. He said, I had a key, so I got into the uh, the apartment. And then he describes it as a misunderstanding. So an argument erupts between him and Cecilia he's blaming her for you changed my life. I came here for this new relationship and now you're ignoring me. You're blocking me. So obviously that goes to show what was going on in his mind. He was just so angry about being rejected. And that's what police said was he just couldn't accept the end of the relationship. And like we know, it's almost a case of, well, if I can't have you, no one can.
0: Yeah. And the ultimate
4: control too, because it's like she's Taking control from you. She's taken control back by by saying, I don't want to be with you anymore. Get out. Mm. Go away. And he's just been enraged by that and can't handle it. Yeah, and he's gone to this length to get control back. Also, can you imagine how freaked out she
0: is? Because this is the moment she's realised he's got his own set of keys. Mm. Up until this point, she thought she had succeeded in shutting him out of her home, at least. She's even said to her mum, don't worry, he's gone. yes because he's banging on the door pretending that he can't get in. Mm. And then at some point, minutes later, he's in. Mm. And so how terrifying, how infuriating, how all of those things. She has realised this motherfucker's got his own set of keys. Yeah, terrifying. No wonder she's yelling at him and they're arguing so intensely. Yes. And then he's saying, well, you know, yeah, I came here for you and I gave up everything for you. And so the intensity of that argument. Yes. I can't
4: imagine. And then he's decided to finish it. What was also really disturbing about his confession as well is what he said happened next. Mm. He said he couldn't stand her saying these things anymore. And that's when he said that he moved forward and he put his hands and squeezed on her neck, but squeezed too hard. Then she fell lifeless in my arms. I don't remember if she hit her head on the floor. I picked her up desperately and placed her on the couch saying, wake up, Sissa, because that's what she was affectionately known as by her friends and family was Sissa. But she wouldn't wake up. She just wouldn't wake up. And then he spoke in great detail about how he attempted to wake her up. And then... He says, I only went there to pick up my passport, but everything happened like this. I started sweating. I was sweating a lot. I was desperate and left. I, I confess to you, I don't even remember really what happened. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I'd done. And he said, I can't deny it. I can't deny the facts. And when you ask me questions, I don't even know how to answer it. He spoke in great detail about how he actually killed Cecilia but then when it came to explaining the dumping of her body and things like that, he sort of says, I, I can't deny it, but he didn't really want to go into it because he tries to say that he blocked that out of his memory in the moment. He he can't really remember what he did in, in those moments afterwards, but he certainly didn't call an ambulance. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you've
0: lied on yeah. the couch and you've said, oh, come back, come back, and try to... Call Mate. an ambulance. Call triple zero. No. Yeah, this is where they always fall down or where they go, I know I was insane in that moment. Well, you know what? You pulled yourself together to try and hide what you'd
4: done. And exactly. He he the flight. If you do believe him that it was an accident. Yes. And he didn't mean to or there was no premeditation. Yeah. If you believe him in saying that, well, then why wouldn't you call an ambulance? Yeah.
0: I didn't mean to. I mean, absolutely. Most of us. He went
4: straight away into preserving himself. Yes. And just how am I going to get away with this? How am I going to escape? And for years. For years. Trying to blame someone else, trying to hide, trying to... Escape justice. Yeah. And not revealing to police. And it wasn't until this moment in court that the final sort of chance that he had to tell the truth, Mm. it wasn't until that moment, five years after he murdered Cecilia, did he actually come clean? and yeah. say, this is what happened. And you can imagine the torture that he put the family through mm. all the years previous, not admitting it, lying, trying to point the finger at other people. He calls it a tragedy. He calls it an accident. Mm. He can't even bring himself to, to call it a murder because that's what it was.
0: Mm. I'm sure a lot of people are astounded when they commit a murder. You know, I'm sure most people can't believe they have done it or could do it or but he's had a long time to get his head around what he did and to still be sitting there and and
4: minimizing it and he's obviously had counseling with this priest. Yes. But if you if you listen to the priest though, it was all about how it had affected him personally. It wasn't about the the damage and the hurt and the suffering that he caused to Cecilia's family. Yeah. Coming to terms with what he had done. It was about coming to terms with himself being raised in a good family and well educated. And I couldn't believe that that I would do this. And I can't believe that I've done this to my family. So I've put my family through this. It was all me, 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 me. Mm. So, how long did the judge and the jury, or no, it's the, the jury, how long did they deliberate after all this? I mean, it wasn't we, very long no. at all. It wasn't very long at all. And they came back and they said that he'd been found guilty. And then instantly the judge sentenced him. Oh, really? And yeah, sentenced him to 27 years behind bars. And the family were happy about that in the sense that they thought it was quite fair given the Brazilian justice system. They thought that 27 years was expected we do know one thing he's already launching an appeal oh. so even though he's confessed and he's been found guilty somehow he thinks that he's going to get away with it so he's already working on an appeal to get out of jail
0: and also it's something to do with your days you know you find that out I think sometimes with mm. these guys like he's in jail
4: what else has he got to do he's
0: got the money you might as well launch an appeal and see where it goes yeah yeah then just do your cleaning job every day and go mm. and scrub those and disgusting ex- toilets with.
4: Yeah, except the, do your time. Yeah, like, you might well. if, if he really was remorseful and if he really yeah did want to take responsibility, he would just shut up, go and do his time. Yeah. But no, he wants to drag the family through more trauma through the courts. Yeah, I don't think he's that guy. He's not that remorseful guy. Just the profound impact her loss has had on their lives. And you've seen it over five years as well. And they almost age with the grief. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And, and also with the legal process. Of course. That's and so their, their health. I know that Cecilia's mum, her health really deteriorated during the last five years. Certainly at the trial, she actually had a medical episode at the trial yeah. after the moment that he'd confessed. Because she said, I looked at his hands and after he told the court that he used those hands to kill her beautiful daughter, she said, I couldn't look at him. Those hands just made me so sick. And she actually went into a state of, you know, her blood pressure rose, shot up and, and a nurse had to be called in and she had to be looked over by the nurse because, yeah, she just physically couldn't handle it. I had a rage attack when I saw that monster sitting in front of me with those hands that killed my daughter.
0: It's fair considering the Brazilian law. But if it was for me, his sentence would be for life in jail or death penalty. But we don't have that option here.
4: What about his family? What were they like in court, his parents? Were they there? There was no one there supporting him in terms of his family at the court. But he did have the priest that gave evidence and also his ex father in law gave evidence too, saying that he was a pretty good guy. The girls, his his children are mad about him, as as most girls are about their dad. Yeah. So again, trying to paint this picture that he's a great dad, a great man and and you know, he wouldn't do something like this.
0: Strange list of of uh, witnesses, isn't it? Mm. My ex-father-in-law and the priests that I see in jail, but not my parents.
4: That was the thing about Cecilia's family. She did have so many people in her corner, so many people that just dearly loved her and just didn't want this man to get away with it. They wanted, they wanted justice. And even they were chanting when Santoro was taken away from the final time. They were just chanting at him saying, justice for Cecilia. Wow. And so... They were just so committed to to getting the outcome, which they did eventually get after five years. That's spine tingling. That idea of him being chanted at.
0: Thank you to our guest Ashley Hansen, who is no longer with the Seven Network and is now a freelance journalist and news anchor. Her details can be found in the show notes of this episode. If you need support after listening to this podcast, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact 1800RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or 1800respect.org.au. Indigenous Australians can contact 13 Yarn on 13 92 76 or 13yarn.org.au. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week.
1: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made ByHeart a better formula for formula. Learn more at ByHeart.com.
0: As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available.